Howdy, hey! Welcome to the Texans Take. All right, so we're talking about the Reformation today, and we have a very special guest speaker, Uncle Neil. <laughs> you As much as we've talked about it, he's finally here! That's right, that's right. We so, kidnapped uh, him just long enough. Uncle Neil has been uh, an elder of both of the churches that I've ever been to. That's true. Yep. And he's got a long history of uh, walking with Jesus. And um, also, how long is your um, your Bible study? Your yeah, we were talking about that the other day. How long have you been doing that? It's uh, been going for 20 years now. Yeah, 20, 20 years. That's, that's kind of what we yeah, said. Yeah, 20 years, yeah. Because you were like, as long as I can remember, I was, you know, I just remember being there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and we've gone through so many, like, really thick <laughs> theological books. Yeah, we started out with the Calvinist Institutes of the Christian Religion. That's, that's what you were saying. It yeah, used to be yeah. called, what, Calvin and Hops? Well, Isn't yeah, that what you were saying? Yeah. That was actually... Jim Linton's Bible study. Oh, okay. Like uh, Calvin and Hobbes. You know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we kind of took up the tradition. We don't really have the hops like they did at, at Jim's house, you know. Sometimes it comes afterwards. That's right. That's, you know, for the sake of some teetotalers. We that's right. That's right. the brethren. That's right. Well, Pastor Payne does like a hot body, so. <laughs> Just tell him it's got shy in it. You'll be fine. It's bourbon with shy. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But man, we went through Calvin's Institutes. So that took about seven years. Actually. Yeah, yeah. That's that wow. Long, seven years. Long. It's yeah. four volumes. It's it's very, I very mean, heavy. Well, yeah. I remember yeah. I came really late into the Bible study with Gurnall, uh -huh. and I was like, "We're we're only close to the next chapter," and I swear it took two years. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like." On the cusp of the end of the book, yeah. you know, and every, you know, every couple of weeks you'd be like, well, we're, we're almost through. And I'd be like, oh, was this getting close? And then another couple of weeks, well, we're almost through. <laughs> I'm good. All right. Well, we're not almost through. Journal <laughs> was great. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Journal. Yeah. Uh, he was a very warm Puritan divine mm -hmm. and, uh, not as pietistic as some of them yeah. tend to be, especially in the later years. So it was a it was a really uh, useful study. Enjoyed going through that. Although I've never seen anybody we, the, the the we were doing the whole armor of Christ the yes. journal, yes. Mm -hmm. and he could he could tease out the meaning of the mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and write five chapters. There's a chapter the. for you or five yeah, yeah. which I mean. When you have, well, the full the, the armor of Christ, that's only about what four verses? Oh, six seven, verses. Six, yeah, all together, yeah. And so, when you're writing a, when you're writing a, uh, an incredibly long book with several different volumes and chapters and stuff on seven verses, mm -hmm. and see, it was very funny because. I only ever knew of the book because of the Bible study uh -huh. you know, that I was at. And that was it was a solid two and a half years that I was there pretty frequently and we were yeah. still on Gurnall before we started on the next <laughs> yeah. day. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I'm not I'm not making light of that. I'm just right. like yeah. it was there a while, but I never took like the the mental picture of this book. And I was over in Bill Hill's 
uh, office. And his office is like anybody's dream library on an intermediate level. <laughs> and I'm walking through and I see this big, it was this wide. Yeah. It was, it, it, it caught my eye because book, so book, 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 yeah. book, 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 book. Yeah. And I walked, I just like it drew me to it. <clears throat> I walked over to it and it was Liam Gurnall's whole armor of God. And I was sitting there going, well, that explains a lot, Brig. Because <laughs> right, right. that was enough. But then when I opened it up and the print is so, it's like half the size of what's yeah, on the page yeah. right there. And I'm sitting there going, I know everything about it now. Now yeah. I know why one chapter took two and a half years. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And when you think that it was done with a full pen and ink, all good. Man, well, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine that book? Wow. No, I can't. I don't. It had to have been this big. It, you know, it just uh, blows my mind the, the the way the how prolific some of the early reformers were. Like, and of course, Bill has a nostalgia for books, so yeah, yeah. he has these books in his life. And it was like until I actually picked the book up in my hand. It never dawned on me how in depth it actually was. Yeah. It was like that moment of, I understand, because <laughs> I just thought we drug it out that far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I was just like ignorant to the fact of how good this like actual material was in this book. I'm just sitting there like, man, we drug it out for a long time. Don't I actually see it? <laughs> well, that's sad. We went skimming through it. Yeah, we were <laughs> we were running. I mean, well, I mean, we what. Galloping Probably on a horseback. Only reads for about an hour every yeah. Monday evening. Yeah, give or take. Interspersed with lots of yeah. good commentary. Yeah, every once in a while, we'll, you know, have somebody who's you know comes to the Bible study and um, has something on their mind, and so we'll deviate and take a break. Yeah, especially if it's Uncle HK. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Have we heard any updates on him yet? How's he doing? Uh, just keep praying for him. All I know is that he's still at the VA hospital. And, uh, uh, I heard no visitors. Is that still the case? Yeah, that is the VA. You know, yeah. it's just they're all on lockdown, all on steroids, you know. So, but, um, yeah, I, I really, you know, it seems like. He had the heart attack weeks before he actually went to the hospital. Well, that's like with dads. Like I was telling Stuart, you know, the other day, dads went on. He knows when he had it because he's like, this is, they sent me home with Tylenol saying it was a backache. And when he actually went in for his leg swelling and everything, they were like, you've had a couple of massive heart attacks. And he was like, well, what would that have felt like? And they explained it to him and he goes, Oh yeah, I had oh, that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and he remembered that that the ER at the little you know small hospital they went to uh -huh. just sent him home with a couple of Tylenol. You'll be all right. It's just a backache. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, backache. The backache that turned into legs. Well, when you uh, have a backache, he, he you really put your heart into it, don't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> he explained it. One of his legs almost looked like two. Like yeah. It was. Yeah. The stuff stopped working, so yeah, yeah definitely pray for. <laughs> Not that bad, okay? <laughs> no. Maybe a clear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. It's like hop. Right. Ah. All right, it's working again. But uh, yeah, I'll have to so, keep praying for him for sure. Absolutely. But we I took your toy away from you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I usually mess with this little letter. But. Let's see, didn't we go through some Martin Luther stuff years back? Um, let's see. I don't 
I don't think we ever have done really. Either. Okay, I'm trying to remember. There was no. there was a gap between Calvin's Institutes, William Gurnall. I know that we read Pilgrim's Progress. Right. We read um, and we did um, J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Knowing God. Right. Um, and we just finished J.I. Packer's uh, uh, Keep in Step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And J.I. Packer is just good in general. I think there's another one in there, or two or three. Well, we started William Baxter. Baxter, there it yeah. is, Baxter, that's right. But he became tedious. Yeah. So yeah. we just decided, okay, that's enough of Baxter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he was a little too pietistic for my taste, you know. <laughs> All works and no grace. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing, like, if you, uh, if you read through, like, uh, oh, my gosh, Aquinas, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you get. There's a lot of, you know, works. I have his book somewhere around the house is, uh, you know, Christian, what is it, uh, Imitation of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what that book ends that up book being. That book is Thomas of Kemp. A Kempis, that's yeah. right, Aquinas. I don't know why I say Aquinas. Yeah. Kempis, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's essentially, the whole book is like that. Mm-hmm. It's a very works, you know, oh, this yeah. is what you have to do. To... Now, it's a good book. Don't get me wrong. It's a good yeah. book to read, but it's very much exactly like you're saying. It's mm-hmm. in, in order it's to get there, you got to, yeah, yeah, you got to do these things. Right. And it, it's a good, you know, standard practice, really, to read that and and, you know, be able to develop what you know christian man and right. such Your game a little exactly bit, like know? this yeah. is what's expected of you right. but you have to also take into account that he's he's completely works based in that he's not really grace is not a part of his teaching uh-huh. you know yeah yeah and that's what you know, speaking of, of martin luther that's what drove luther crazy you know trying to be trying to be trying to be good and see we just yeah. did some luther tuesday yeah yeah, yeah. And, he, uh, he was. If anybody could have got to heaven by works, it, it was Martin Luther. Would have yeah. worked, done it. You know. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever tried that hard. His uh, his most of his early monk life was spent in confessional. You know, mm-hmm. because he looked yeah. at somebody's pencil funny. Oh, know? I know. His confessor finally told him, "Go away until you come back with some real sins to confess." <laughs> and he was confessing everything. Yeah. He was doing penance all the time. He was flagellating himself. You know, beating himself up. Whoa. And he just couldn't make it. Yeah. You know, he just could not do it himself. That's the point. Exactly. Know? Which he, you know, that's the reason he was so harsh on himself like that. Like you said, that's the point. He actually understand, understood the weight of sin. Mm-hmm. But more importantly than that, it led him to understand, you know, how important grace is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you try to get to heaven by, you know, being perfect and uh, doing penance for every sin, then you won't make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and in fact, you know, that's one complaint some people have about the Lutherans is that they're, you know, all grace, no works. Right, and, yeah. You know, which probably is not true, you know, but that may be how some of them right, right. operate, you know, Christianity. It's, it's, it's something that I hear all the time, you know, when, whenever, um, uh, I guess it's just a general critic of a lot of, oh, I don't know, somebody that believes in predestination or this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. You know, they think, okay, well, so if you believe that you're already saved, then, you know, you're not going to live a life of, uh, you know, you're not going to do anything good anymore. Right. You know, if you're already saved, then you're just going to, 
Yeah, that's not the way it works. Continue being good and doing good works, and they'll see. They'll see. You know, uh, they're like, uh, well, you're never going to go out and save somebody else if you think that God's already saved them. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, actually the uh, the sect of Baptists, the Hard Shell Baptists, mm -hmm. I believe. Which them? spun off of the they spun off of the Wesleyans. Yeah, they, they you know they they believe in in. Everything's so predestined; they don't have to evangelize. Those are the free will they, Baptists. Yeah, yeah. the um, the free will Baptists. That's I what you're talking. Think it's the free is it? Will. No, I don't think it's the free it's will. The hard shell Baptists. It's a nickname for them, but uh, what do they call it? Uh, I can't think of the denomination. But anyhow, you know, you find them in like in Kentucky, especially where, uh -huh. where they they don't. You know, you're going to be saved. God's going to do the saving. Don't worry. Don't you know? Bother us. Yeah, <laughs> with your problems. <laughs> uh, that's hyper. That's taking it to an extreme that it's it not is, intended it to go to. And I think I think what a lot of people don't understand is just you know when God when God does His work of salvation through us, even if we are predestined. There's a lot of people that He predestines to come to Christ through these methods that he's put in place, like us, you know, mm -hmm. his word. That's what he says in his word, you yeah. know, through the foolishness of preaching, you know, that uh, people hear faith, faith cometh by hearing, yeah. hearing by the word of the Lord. Yeah. And so that's why it's important. That's why we have to do it, because yeah. God commands us to do it. It doesn't matter whether it's predestined or not. It's also the, the means are predestined also. Absolutely. Yeah, it's still a commandment, something carried out. And... Or to be carried out, let's put it that way. It really gives a different perspective, you know. When somebody says, "Hey, you, you're already—if you believe you're already saved, you're not going to do any works or any good works after that. And, you know, you're not going to go evangelize or anything like that." But it really, what they don't understand is, if we're already saved, if Christ has already determined to save us, <laughs> then. We've already won. If we've already won, then we can't lose. Mm -hmm. We can't lose, then, you know, who's going to get in our way? You know, so right. we're, we're free to evangelize. We're free to, you know. Uh, Called according to his purpose. Right, right, right. And we can go anywhere in the world, evangelize to whoever, and know that at the end of the day, we're on the winning side. And even if we decide not to, there's Jonah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we decide not to follow that command. There, is, there's, there are consequences. I mean, right. big fish. God had a way of convincing. Very convincing. Very convincing. Uh, so, um, Uncle Neil is a chiropractor by trade. Mm -hmm. And so, how long have you been doing that? Um, 36 years. 36. Wow. And uh, you have had your hands on. Uh, me, all my si siblings, all my family. Lila when she Lila, was what? very young. Adeline when she was very young. Uh, still very young, but still. And so we uh, also got some acupuncture from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And very I've only ever got the electronic, like the the they call it the yeah, baby the, the, needles, yeah. the baby acupuncture. I want I want the needles at some point. Just be like, what is this like? We need to do that at some point because I I look at all the like the the boards you have and it's quite you know intriguing. I'm like eh, I kind of like to see what that's like. You know, yeah. you've only ever done like the little electronic like 
wake your nerves up. I'm like, oh, but what does it really feel like? <laughs> What's the real world of that? Yeah, but... the, the, the needle acupuncture is, is very useful. It, uh, sometimes, you know, the, the points are actually deeper in the body, and so it, it's easier to get down to, the, to them with a needle than with mm. pressure or something. Right. right. Yeah, I was working on Wyatt's uh, leg. Oh, know, yeah. And, yeah. And that lit him up. Those really? Points, those points were just, I, I've never seen anybody, you know, have a reaction that like that, you yeah. know, because the, the my son Wyatt was injured in an accident. <clears throat> his leg was crushed on a nerve that uh, helps you raise your foot. Was the, the perennial? The perennial nerve. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and uh, so the, the peroneus muscle was basically uh, inactive. Inactive, you know. And uh, so he's starting to get a little uh, action back in it now. But yeah, the first time I needled the points for that nerve, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> it lit him up. Yeah, <laughs> Usually it's not that way with acupuncture. Yeah. And oftentimes you don't even feel the needle go in. Right. It's just when you. Manipulate the needle and then and raise what they call raise the chi right. in the channel, but you start to feel a dull, achy spreading sensation. Right, and that's kind of what it felt like when you're doing it on my arm. Uh, I had my uh, I pulled a tendon in my shoulder doing uh, karate. Actually, mm-hmm. was Shihan fell on me. He, he <laughs> rode me down to the ground. Oh yeah, and yeah. was like, ah, oh, I think he did something. He was like. I did something or you did something? I was like, I think I did something. Safe <laughs> 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 um, answer. Safe answer, yeah. And so, man, I couldn't raise my hand above, I couldn't raise my hand above my shoulders, really, mm-hmm. without just intense pain. Mm-hmm. And Uncle what was the What was the politician who couldn't go above here? What was his name? Ran for president at one point? I forget. I he ran with uh, with the gal from Alaska. What was his name? John something. Could never raise his hand, but it was it was due to like actual like military prison trauma. But I always whenever I think of not being able to raise your hand, I'm like, uh, that kind of yeah. <laughs> I raised it above my shoulder, and Uncle Neil actually sat me down on a chair, and uh, this was like. A day or two after, actually. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. I was like in pain for a couple of days. It's and like I can go here. That's 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 all you're getting out of this. And so anyway, he, I forgot exactly what you did, but uh, it was within five minutes. McCain. McCain. John McCain. Within five minutes, I was able to raise my hand most all the way up. It was still really, you know. That's impressive. Tense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, up and it was like you need to come to my office and I'll do some acupuncture and we'll, we'll fix this. And it, it worked real, real well. Mm-hmm. And that felt so strange because, you know, when I think acupuncture, I think like knives getting jabbed into me, you know, I think like sewing needles getting jabbed into me. And I'm like, wow, this is really going to hurt. And he just sits over there with this little tube and he goes, Boop, and Boop, you know, and I'm just sitting here just like, I'm waiting for him to stab me. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. Come on, bring it on. I've already got my teeth gritted. Then look over and there's like six of them already stuck in my arm. I'm like, what? 
oh, okay. You know? So you started? I kind of moved a little bit, and they start bouncing around, and they're like, oh, I can feel that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's like an icy hot or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Waking those yeah. nerve endings up. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, now, you weren't always a Christian. Mm-hmm. You grew up as, well, you, you didn't really grow up, grow up in a Christian household, did you? No, no. no. Both my parents were. Mother called herself an agnostic. Agnostic, uh, yeah. Dad was a uh, confirmed atheist. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but Brown Mama, the the our uh, black maid uh, who helped raise us, she was a Christian, and she wanted her what little white children, as she called us, to mm-hmm. get in church. You know? Yeah. So we go to church at the Eastern. What Orthodox a blessing church. that is, right there. Yes, yeah, that with alone. The, with our uh, with our friends, the, these Lebanese. Uh, Friends in, in our neighborhood that we grew up with, and they they all went to the Eastern Orthodox or Greek Orthodox Church. So we went too, and that's where I, you know, started learning about the, the Bible, and, and you know. Now the Greek Orthodox, what, what explain that denomination a little bit? Uh, it's the the Eastern branch of the one uh, the once Catholic Church. Uh, okay. You know, they split in 1057. Uh, the the bishops excommunicated each other. <laughs> they had, they had the, Can you imagine that? Well, I'm not talking to you. Well, I'm not talking to you either. How you like that? You're going to hell. You're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> to excommunicate you. If you can't do that. I excommunicated you already. <laughs> that, that's kind of like the same argument. If you can't fire me, I quit. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah, they, uh, they uh, and I believe that they, there were other things, but probably the thing that uh, split the blanket, so to speak, was the what they call the filioque controversy. Hmm. What does that mean? I was about to say. <laughs> we're gonna take we're gonna take a break right there. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. So the filioque controversy. I had it mixed up. I thought it was two words, but it's one word. Yeah. And that's the, uh, the the and the son is what filioque means. Mm-hmm. And so the Roman Catholic Church had added to the creed the, uh, that, the, that the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the filioque. Uh, the Greeks said, no, no, no. <laughs> this they, is not Holy okay. Spirit proceeds from the Father. That became a very big theological controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really see what the problem is. <laughs> you know, as the Father and the Son are one, the same. Know, and the Holy Spirit is one with them. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus said he would send his spirit, and the Father said, I will send my spirit. They're both sending a spirit. And Jesus says, probably the, same the Father spirit. and I are one. Right. So it's like, ah. That's kind of the way this works. Which, but I guess the Greeks were, you know, saying that this is not the tradition, you know. The tradition, that you're adding to the tradition. Mm-hmm. And so, anyhow, that was that was apparently the last straw. A lot of the early <laughs> churches, I feel like, were overly overly like compassionate to tradition <laughs> there's 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 a limit where it's like no longer okay like i i love tradition i do mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it's like there's also a limit where you're going 
that's a little excessive. Maybe we should draw a line. Pfft, line? What are you talking about? No, we're, we're doing this. Okay, well, let's draw a line, but where are we going to draw it? I'm like, hmm, you know what? 95 theses nailed on a wall. Yeah, that draws a pretty clear line. <laughs> Just gonna, I'm just gonna nail this right here. Let all of y'all read it, and then you'd be okay with it or not. I'm sorry if you're not. So that was the church that I grew up in. That's where I learned about, you know, uh, Christianity. But um, the the vision of, of God that I was kind of that I got, you know. And this was circa what time when you were going well, to that church? I was, I was like from seven to twelve. You know? Okay. And. Uh, I just, you know, I felt like the God that the, that they were talking about, the God the Father was kind of like Zeus, you know, mm -hmm. sitting up in heaven with his lightning bolt in hand, bolts, yeah, waiting for you to screw up so he could zap you, you know. I didn't get much of the grace, you know, part, just just the wrath. <laughs> I didn't like that, you know. I didn't like feeling like either. that. I, mean, I felt like kind of like Martin Luther. Yeah, yeah. I to do all these good things in order to be really, really good in order to get into heaven, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't making it. I just, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was still screwing up. And every time I turn around, you feel like God zapped me again, you know. So finally, I just said, well, this is just psychological nonsense, you know. I think maybe my dad's right. Maybe there isn't a God, you know. And so I'm. And about that time, Father Scaff was wanting me to be baptized, even though I've been serving as an altar boy for years. Mm. <laughs> he said, time for you to, you know, get baptized. You can really be a Christian. That's right. And I just, you know, even 12 years old, I thought, I, I can't say I believe all that stuff. You know, I, I had a problem with the with the, the icons and, and the images and stuff like that. It seemed like idol worship, too. Right. You know? So anyhow, I just said, well, I just forgot. I, you know, get it. I stopped going to the, the Greek Orthodox Church, and then I, uh, I found when uh, you were like twelve. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. yeah, I'm not going anymore. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I'm I, done with that. I, 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 you know, when you're, when you're twelve, you start asking questions. Right. You start, you know, getting logical or trying to be logical. Well, that's that's when, like, I I would say that's when that actually starts. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you actually start thinking from a logical. It's like you you stop so much thinking from an emotional perspective and start thinking from a more. Hmm, does this make sense? Yeah, so, you know, not like I, I ask, want that teddy bear. I hmm, this this stuff like, well, you know, if God is all powerful, and the devil causes all these problems on earth. Why didn't God just kill the devil? You Seems know? like an easy fix. Yeah, yeah, he's God. I mean, right? Yeah, kill him, you know, and be done with it. And poor Father Scab, he didn't have much of an answer. He just said, It's a matter of faith, my son. Mm -hmm. Every time I come up with another question, it's a matter of faith, my son. This was not. It's Catholicism right there. It's yeah. like going to the confessional. Well, what should I do? Well, believe harder. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like those interviews with sports. You know, sports yeah, players yeah, after they get done, it's harder. like, man, well, we're just gonna sports harder. We're gonna right. we're gonna do a better yeah, job next time. Why, why did you lose? Well, because they sported harder than we did. I know. It's like, yeah, I feel like that's the same argument. It's like, well, you just gotta believe harder. You know, you believe hard enough and long enough, one day you'll believe it. Yeah. You know, I know. So that, that just is not satisfactory to me. Uh, it's not a answer. good answer. They got to be a better answer than that, you know, or there isn't an answer. Right. Yeah. And if there isn't an answer, we're all in a lot of trouble. And then, then fortunately, my mother had received a, uh, a bride's Bible when she got married. What is a bride's Bible? That's a little white 
Five, one know. of those little, like, you know, Christmas gifts or kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you... it had a zipper, you know. Yeah, okay, it okay. Nice, nice little Bible. And so I said, well. Maybe I could read this and figure out what's going on. Maybe there's on. something useful in there. So I started reading the Bible, you know, the King James Bible. It sounds like she wasn't making excellent use of it at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, thank God she still had it because, you know, I started reading the Bible. And it's like it's a wedding Genesis. gift. We're not going to get rid of that tradition at all. I read Genesis. Okay. Then I read the Exodus. And then... Uh, Leviticus. I was about to say, now you're getting into well, the part that hurts a lot of feelings. Can we skip a couple? I mean, literally, they're saying the same thing that happened in the previous chapter. That's kind of why we like scooted over that because it's like, eh, if we have any specific questions that we can answer here, we'll we'll jump back. But this yeah. is um, a little too much yeah, for now. So Leviticus was a little slow going. So I said, mm -hmm. okay, well, let's see what the New Testament has. Mm -hmm. And I started in Matthew, you know, and um, got to the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. and, oh, this is good. This I is like good, it. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll believe in Jesus. I don't know about his dad, but, you know, <laughs> Jesus yeah. is cool. I believe yeah. In him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a fair running guy. Uh, well, you know, just about that time, one of my dad's friends was at the house, and they started talking about religion, and he goes, well, I, I've got a church I think you'd like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as uh, I was starting to, to get interested in the occult at that point, you know, that was all the rage back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. The occult, explain me. that. The occult, you know. The like occult. Reading tarot cards. And okay, like okay, that, okay. You know? And uh, the thing that's, that, that attracts people about, to the occult is the promise of power. You yeah. Know? People mostly something you don't possess, but hopes of can. Right, you know, people yeah. People feel powerless, and, and they want to have power over their lives. They want to get well, some that's, sort of control. That has been the running go for a long time. You have Adam and Eve. Satan's over here, like, God doesn't have that power. Come on, you, you could have that power too. <laughs> He's like, here, Adam, enjoy this power, you know. And uh, that doesn't work well. Right, and and but it's a running struggle i think for anybody mm -hmm. you know that power is like the the top of that chain that you want to seek for because we're you know it's, sinful it's humans it yeah it yeah. tastes good it's there it's available and if you can just grab it yeah. you're you're now in control right you know when you, you know you're in an alcoholic household you know and your mom's a drunk and you know you you don't feel like anybody's on your side. You, right. You want something, you know, right. to take, you know, to have some power in your life. So, you know, so, so that I, guess I can was, see how that can be very, you know, yeah, seductive. Good yeah. word. So, and then he had this friend of dad had this church that I should go to unity church of Christianity. I didn't know that was, you know, it said it was a Christian church. How was I know unity? Hmm. Turns out it was a new age church. Yeah. You know? Like science of mind and and, uh, and Christian science, kind of Tom Cruise, huh? kind of Tom Cruise. You know, not Scientology. No, it was it was more into what they call metaphysics. You know, and and pseudo occultism in a way, kind of body healing, um, mind kind but, of thing. But the their their promise is that you can become God, you know, right? Through affirmations, you know, nice, powerful. Yeah, power. There's power yeah. in your life if you just. You know, convince your Sports mind harder. enough with with the by these chants, these incantations, these 
words of power, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then, you know, you will transform yourself into your, your higher self, which is your Christ self. And so, and if you don't make it in this life, there's reincarnation. You get oh, another chance. Nice. Well, I'm glad I get a second chance. Yeah, American, I, based on what you were saying, I was really hitting it rough. <laughs> <laughs> what American doesn't want a second chance? We're all about second chance. Oh, yeah. Third chance. Right. Infinite chances. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? And so that was interesting. But you see, they called the metaphysical churches like Christian science and all It probably that rose really great during the occult period. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they even you promise know, for more. Wrong. It was it was just the perfect timing. For, yeah. you know. But then, and they promise you power, and they promise you godhood, and and they promise you that uh, you can do all this without any repenting about sin. Oh man, that's nice. Man, that's yeah, that's still better than sin. having babies forever. <laughs> sin isn't real in, in there. It isn't. No, no, it's just misplaced good. God I'm good now. Good, right? You know? oh, okay. And so, if it looks like evil, it's just good that's been misplaced. Uh, man, I can I can see how that sounds amazing how, to anyone. This is how they get rid of redemption. This is how they get rid of atonement. This is right. how they, you know, get rid of the Christ sacrifice. Right. And all that stuff. They get rid of that with, you know, the idea that you you save yourself through endless incarnations until mm -hmm. you become a Buddha or something. Yeah, I was about to say that's very that's that's very Buddhist, you know. Well, see, it really don't hurt the cows. Later on, you know, when I and you know when I become a Christian, I don't know. I really can't answer that. You know, I actually I struggled with this uh, earlier today. I was actually talking to my brother because he was raising up a point which I love to I love to argue good points about the Bible, mm -hmm. and Shay was totally unprepared. He was literally asking me a question and i went into a 30 minute monologue mm -hmm. and that's that's how it works you know he was asking what do you think about infant baptism well that just those words got me started and I, I ran with it but uh what what we were talking about is exactly that it's like uh you know these topics you were just saying you know easy to start easy to go with mm -hmm. and only half the people actually can connect on these topics mm -hmm. yeah because he, he started me instantly, and it was like, I just had a question. Just It was just actually one question. No debate needed. And I just, I like ran with it, thinking I was teaching him something. He's like, no, no I just, I, I actually just wanted an answer, you know, about that one thing. Mm -hmm. no, I just ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got really involved in, in unity. I thought it was the truth, you know. It all made sense. It was very plausible. And they justify a lot with the, you know, their proof texts in the Bible, you know, um, they, like, they uh, which I was about to say, is that not like the Mormons that kind of, uh, kind of throw a little bit of that out there? It's like, yeah. they give you just enough to be semi Bible based and then run with it. Yeah, but the yeah. Mormons, of course, have their Book of Mormon. They do. Well, that's what I was saying. It's like their yeah, own text. And, and, and the, the men of are at least unity, you know, they, they stick with the Bible. Well, that's they, good. They use what they call metaphysical interpretation, mm. you know, so. Basically, they symbolize everything symbolic in the Bible, right. you know, and and partly true. You know, there are allegories. There are Jesus was a man, but maybe not. There God. are types and anti-types. You know, so you know that it's, there's a little bit of truth in that, and and they, you know they justified reincarnation by 
the story about uh, the the blind man when the Pharisees said, "Well, who sinned? You know, that this man was born blind. Right, yeah. Did he sin or did his parents sin? You know, who sinned?" And so they said, "See, how could he? He was born blind. When did he sin? Mm. He had to have sinned before he was born, right? Right. Okay, there yeah. you go. Reincarnation. Uh, oh, I see. Uh, I see what they did there. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's awfully twisty. Uh, I see what they did there. I like it. All right, all right. Did God really not say? Not true, but yeah, I know. But, you know, eventually, one scripture that just kept coming back to my mind was. See, and these are the same type of people that were like in control during the type of the Reformation, really. I mean, the type of people like the controllers of the church that you know that, that these little things out there like that, like the Pharisees, mm -hmm. and that it's like, oh, who sinned? <laughs> Teach me, but you can't. That <laughs> mm, I can kind of God. That's that's part of it, actually. The thing that kind of you know got me off of reincarnation was that the scripture that says, "For it is appointed unto man once to die, once to die, yeah. and then the judgment." And I thought, okay, yeah. well, I couldn't metaphysically interpret my way around that. Right. Yeah. I, once you're dead, you're dead. Straightforward. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Then we know what the judgment is. It's the mm -hmm. great day of judgment. So how are you going to reincarnate when you only get one death? And so finally, I, that, just, that scripture just kept until it, you know, broke me away from this idea of reincarnation. Once reincarnation goes out of the metaphysical churches, they don't have any salvation. Right. You know, there's no savior for them. You can't save yourself with just one shot, you know, yeah. and right. being an avatar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I started it when I was 19, 20, you know, after college, you know, I'd been in unity all my teenage years and I even, you know, got high up in the, their youth group, the Youth of Unity, I became the, I was the first vice president of the Youth of Unity and the international president of the Youth of Unity. Wow. It was a lot of fun. I yeah, know. I mean, I enjoyed the, the, it's about the same, man. You got some, uh, you got some, some time under your belt with that one. Oh, well. Better to understand it. You know, I was studying it. I was interested. I thought it was the truth. I was, you know, I went whole hog, but I can see that God led me there mm -hmm. so that I would learn about you know, those groups and learn how to talk to those people and, and try to convince them of their error. You know? That's that's what I always kind of gave a, a sideways chuckle at with like C.S. Lewis, you know, who was an atheist for many years. Mm -hmm. Like, really, who better to try to convert atheists mm -hmm. than someone, someone who was one? He knows how they think. Yeah. He knows their thought processes. He knows yeah. what they question mm -hmm. and why they question it. Who greater to try to, you know, convert and have, you know, our Lord actually send him out, you know, and go to these people who like J.R.R. Tolkien, who, mm -hmm. you know, he was kind of a friend and, with and at it times. It's interesting to, to see that. The way they think and what they, how they talk, because with the metaphysical, you know, people, they, uh, they use the same words, but they mean different things. You yeah. know, they talk about Christ. I was about to say, how do you mean? But they're not talking about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. you know? They're talking about some higher being that you, that you, you it's you. Oh. The, you are the Christ. It's, it's like a level. Yeah. Okay. And you're the, you, the Christ. And, and Jesus oh. Christ, he, you know, he was just an ascended master. Wow. You know, like uh, 
Stargate stuff going on here. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Justin, the Sith Master. Okay. Master Moria. Who's a homo sapien sapien. Saint Germain, you know. Right, right. Buddha's ascended master, you know. And so, but when you talk to them, you, 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 you have a better understanding of what they're actually saying. They'll use God talk, and you think they're agreeing with you, right. but they're really not. So that that was that was a useful interlude on my way to real Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> so you took a couple a couple stairways to get here. I did, yeah, and uh, yeah. So I just I, I, I abandoned that that whole stuff. I, these people, you know, after, for five or six years that I. They were doing all this affirming. They were all doing all these full moon meditations and mm -hmm. all this stuff, you know. And they were supposed to be becoming more Christ-like. Right. I never saw it. In fact, they seem to be getting goopier uh, by the year rather than more Christ-like. Right, so right. This stuff isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you know. That's how Somebody lost. To get there. You're not gonna get there that way. Mm -hmm. so, anyhow, it was uh, it was it was interesting, and then you know I went to chiropractic college, graduated, went to practice at in in uh, Austin, and uh, um, I would go to a different church every now and then because I, I felt like it, you're supposed to go to church, you know. And I wanted to find a good church and. I just couldn't find one. I often go to a Baptist church, you know, because I knew that the Baptists at least believed the Bible was the word of God. Right. right. Was God's son. They, 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 Baptists believe. They understood the, the basic. Yeah. The they're fundamentals. They're conservatives. And I said, I, I need to find a conservative church that teaches what the Bible says. Yeah. And so I'd go there, but they just, there was something about, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it's just something that turned me off. No offense to any Baptist brethren out there. I'm, not meaning to knock your your church but it just didn't it wasn't working for me and so then one of the assistants at the clinic she was a really sweet christian girl just mm -hmm. used christianity you know yeah. and just a, a deer and she invited me to her church and it was a charismatic church and so i had heard about charismatic churches a little bit you know I thought, well we've let's got we've that. got a big one over here in Asheville. <laughs> let's try that you know see what's uh, what's going on there maybe yeah. that's where they're, they're teaching real christianity <laughs> so you know they the hand raising and the praise choruses and and all of rock that. guitars and it was yeah a lot of noise and uh, and a little preaching you know it seemed like they did more of the singing and praise choruses and then yeah. you know eventually they around a, a message but uh, <laughs> I just, we're gonna circle back to that <laughs> it, that wasn't working for me yeah. and in fact the one thing that i really wanted in in worship was what the eastern orthodox church offered so much of this transcendence in worship right. god is holy yeah. and full of awe really awesome and uh that, uh, you know, that, and, and, and the charismatic and so many other of the modern churches just have God as your, you know, chum, your friend, your boyfriend, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody yeah. you crawl up in the lap with, you know, yeah. and it just, please, you know, yeah. how, 
that's not fearing God, right. you know. Yeah. That, that's not a God that you fear, you know, that, that is full of awe and that you approach carefully. Um, sorry. And, and so after about six months, I just said, well, I think I'm done with the charismatic church. And it's right. nice, nice people, but it just said it wasn't a good fit. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I just, you know, kind of, Wandered around, you know. Well, let's say what era was this? Yeah, this was, 90, uh, 90s. I graduated in 85 from chiropractic college, 86, 87, or something like that. Um, and um, then got married to your aunt, mm -hmm. and uh, in uh, 90, yeah. and uh, we moved here in 93. Mm -hmm. And that was that was what I was wondering about the timeline because I noticed that your uh, your little certification for North Carolina starts in '93. Yeah, so on your wall. <clears throat> so we uh, we did home church for a while, you yeah. know, um, and uh, I just uh, you know was still hoping to find you know a church that taught what seemed to be in the Bible right. from from my perspective. Re I, I'd read the Bible a couple of times all the way through. And uh, one thing that I was convinced from reading the Bible was that predestination was a doctrine. Right. You know, that God predestined everything. And it's great. funny that you, you know, you realize that you have people who have been Christians for, you know, a couple, couple decades. Yeah. Still struggle with this one. I know. And it's I like, know. to me, I was, I was raised really, if we're going to like point the finger, non-denominational, mm -hmm. um, you know, Dad was Baptist, um, got jaded, hated the Baptist. So we weren't Baptist, you know. Right. My mom brought us to a Baptist church for like week weekday Sunday school, you know, during Wednesdays. But, mm. you know, heaven for we're not Baptist, you know. We're anything but Baptist. Uh, <laughs> eventually, we got involved with the Cowboy Church. And my dad, even though they were a division of the, the you know, Southern Baptist denomination, right. he was like, well, we're yeah. Cowboy Church. We're not, we're not Baptist. That's you know? right. Still holding to it. Yeah, cowboy bat. We're tell he wouldn't even say the words. Like we're not Baptists, you know. So for me, it's like when I started reading it from you know that that point of view, mm -hmm. uh, it was extremely evident to me. Yeah. I'm sitting here going, "Wow, I've missed this a lot." It's like it seems like it's very clear, and I have not interpreted it this way. Uh, but then you you bring that to people who have been in you know like the Baptists or non-denominational churches. And they're just like, Oh, you know, God is love. Anyone can get to heaven. It's just, all you got to do is say three little words. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, that's, that's not actually all of it. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, maybe we can talk about it and you find that people that you want to talk about it with are very to the letter, close-minded. Nope. You just say the ABCs and you're good. I'm like, well, I learned to say my ABCs a long time ago. I'm pretty sure that didn't help me with sin. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's something that I've always believed is, uh, I mean, what's funny is that before we did, we talked about John Calvin a couple weeks back. Mm -hmm. and so, Lightly. And so I it was... Uh, spread off into many other things. Reading into, you know, Calvinism yeah. in general before the podcast and you know i knew what five point calvinism was mm -hmm. but i don't think it ever kind of like settled on me the actual 
you know, all the points in order. Mm-hmm. And so I just saw a list online. It was like all, all five points of five point Calvinism. And I was like, I literally believe all of these in that order, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, okay, I think I'm a five point Calvinist <laughs> because all of these are exactly what I believe. And I actually like, when I've talked to people, uh, um, you know, about what I believe, mm-hmm. I generally hit every single one of those points right. at some point. Mm-hmm. And at some point. Uh, <laughs> and so I was thinking, huh? Okay. Well, I guess I am a legit Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how anybody can read through Ephesians and not come to the doctrine of predestination. Yeah, and it looks like you've you're searching for something. And it you is, find it's, it. it's all there, you know. And, and Ephesians one, it just starts the beginning of the chapter, mm-hmm. verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him. That word in is very important because it just keeps repeating over and over again until you realize if you're a Christian, you are in In Christ. Christ. Yeah, And that's what he's talking about here. He's chose us in him because before the foundation of the world, Mm -hmm. before creation happened, the choosing choosing happened. Right. Uh, Well, we weren't alive, but we were chosen before time began, before anything before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, mm-hmm. having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, God does everything that he wants to because it pleases him to do it, to the praise of his glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He made us accepted. He made us accepted mm-hmm. in the beloved. There's that in again, in the beloved. I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. We are accepted in the beloved. If we're in the beloved, we are accepted. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace by which he made us to abound. He made to abound towards us. In all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. I mean, it, it's just those few verses where the predestination is so clear. Right. You just have to ignore it. if you. If you, you I'm, and I think that's what a lot of people do. Just skip over that entirely. I, I read, uh, there's a friend of mine who just absolutely and totally, completely and utterly rejects. Mm-hmm. The idea of predestination and election. Um, So much so that, I mean, he said some really, really, really bad things. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did he say? I think he said. uh, Well, hold hold that thought. We're going to take a break right here. We'll just pick up right after that. Sure. We're. 
All right, we are back, and there, it is. there you go. So, yeah. This we usually do a wine clink, so, yeah. so you have to do a... That was a good whiskey. That was a whiskey clink, yeah. yeah. Well, this, this friend of mine, he uh, rejected the idea of predestination so much that he said... Was yeah, that based on anything specific, or was it like... Just as, I mean, he said... If, like, is there something back in his history or his family history that, like, made him I'm sure stand that, a wall? I'm sure that there is. Okay. Uh, he just thinks... Okay, so let me say what he said. He said, if if God predestined people to hell, then I would rather worship the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he probably does. You know? <laughs> if it's if something is clear in the Bible, wow. then you... That sets you, a new stage. Well, if it's clear in the Bible, as we read here, and it's very clear that God predestined these things, mm -hmm. then that, we're... we're we have to believe it, right? As yeah. Christians, we're obligated to believe what the Word of God says. Right. Can we figure it all out? Well, mm -hmm. that's not our business. We don't have to figure it all out. We just have to know that God works all things according to the pleasure of His own will. Yeah. He does what He wants to do, okay? And we know that God is good. Mm -hmm. First, you have to start out with God is. God okay? is yeah. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is. Right. You're... Wasting your time if you're talking to somebody about God and he doesn't even believe there's a God. Right. Okay. So first he has to come to well, there is a God. There is. Okay. And Which is kind of surrendering power, by the way. And if he's God, by definition, he's good. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he's the devil. Right. right. Okay. So we know God's good. Mm -hmm. All right. We know it from his word, too. Yes. But we know it just logically. Either he's the devil and evil, or he's God and he's good. Mm -hmm. If he is good. He is all good. Right. He is all. If he is a God, if he is the God, he's all powerful. He's, he's all, all good. Knowing, mm -hmm. He's all good. He's all just. He's all merciful. We know that from the scripture. Yeah. His qualities and his attributes. It's very important to study the attributes of God. I and think so, that's something that's really beneficial about J.I. Packer's knowing God. Oh, Because yeah. it really does go through the attributes of God and why they are the attributes of God. Mm -hmm. And as mm -hmm. us as sinners, why we should be worshiping this God. You know, he does a very good, uh, it, it, for some people, I'm sure if you read it, it's kind of a shame on you. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's like, wow, I could do better. And then some people, it's like, well, I knew that. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's it, it speaks to anyone in any stage because he's so point blank about this is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not open for interpretation, kind of the way he lets you lets you know about the facts. It's just like this is God. This is love. This is wrath. This is mercy. Yeah. He drops all of it in there. And, and they follow that rabbit trail a little bit further. When we started to study knowing God, and we had the book around, and I, yeah. I meant to read it, and that's a lot of things, a lot of reasons, ways that we decide what we're going to study. <laughs> Some is just laying around. Book I've been wanting to read, so right, we're, right. we're, we're going to read it together. That way, we're we're reading it. I get it. That's I like that. Calvin's Institute, but I didn't want to do it alone. Right, right. <laughs> we started. It's like, all right, guys, we're reading Calvin's Institute. Sit down. Here's some coffee. That's right. All right, y'all listen. I'm going to read. And so I kind of thought since it's knowing God, you know, it seemed like it was kind of a basic introduction to Christianity is what I've been told. You know, good good book. I thought it was going to be pretty basic, but it's not. It's oh, not. Me, no and Mar me and Martin spent over Martin. a year on that book alone. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. 
a weed dog into it. it it's so rich. And Packers write so well. Yes. And so I, anybody that hears this, I recommend if you haven't read that. Oh, absolutely. Book. Like we took a chapter. We would spend two weeks on a chapter. Mm-hmm. We would literally break down a chapter, half of it in one week. And then when I went back next Friday for breakfast, we'd talk about the other half of it. That's and that's cool. how we did the whole book. It was like, what did you take away? You know, I'd have my little notes and he'd have his, he likes, he likes, Martin loves to write in his Bible. I, I don't like doing that. So I'd have like my notepad and then my Bible and he'd just yeah. have his Bible with a bunch of squigglies. And I'm I've like, I've never been a big Bible writer, you know, either. I just yeah. I feel like it's almost a sacrilege. That's kind of the way I felt. <laughs> uh, I know. That one has writing in it only because Martin was like, here, underline this. And then he'd underline <laughs> like, something. Uh, uh. Okay. At that point, after he did it once or twice, I was just like, "Look, before you do it, let me ruin my Bible (laughs) for me." For me, that's right. Yeah. Anyhow, I feel like if they fall apart because you're using it, that's different. But no, you you know, your 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 friend, you know, and so a lot of people reject predestination because they think they're um, it's a surrendering something. What they call theodicy It's, It's trying to justify God, you right. know, to, to yeah. be on God's side, exactly. make God look good, you know, and if God's predestined these things, you know, that can't be right. Yeah. Well, the other half good. of that is the people that believe that you, you have this much control, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have control of everything except this one portion that you give God. And that's where people get this fascinating idea of I own everything because free will says I can. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. once you own everything, this one little portion that you give God is all he controls, then who is God? Yeah, but you know, Romans really solves a lot of these problems about uh, predestination and sin and, and, and why these things happen. If you read through Romans, you, you kind of uh, get a uh, uh, an understanding. Let's see, it's uh, Romans five. Um, no, I think it's, it's five or nine. Free from indwelling sin, sonship through from suffering to glory, rejection. What am I looking for here? Um, yeah, but. <clears throat> Israel's rejection and God's judgment. What sense shall we say? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says in Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So that it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but it is of God who shows mercy. Because everybody is predestined to hell. Right. You know, everybody, if they, if God didn't intervene, we'd all go to hell. I love I love the uh, the heading for chapter nine in my Bible here that I have mm-hmm. is God's sovereign choice. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, his choice, not mine. I know there is a choice, but ooh, uh, we won't get there. So 
then the the ones that th these are the anti-predestinationists right here mm -hmm. it says uh, got it says this shows God's power. For this very purpose, I raised up Pharaoh that I may show my power mm -hmm. in him, that my name may be declared in all the earth. And it was. Everybody in, in the Near East knew about what happened in Egypt. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. How would you love to be one of the following nations there? Yeah. It's like the surrounding nations mm -hmm. knowing of everything that happened yeah. in Egypt. It's like yeah, and God says, huh. God says, you know, as all of this is going on, as Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and um, I love you know, this. He's telling his people the whole time, "I'm doing this to show my power." Right. You know? It's not for you. He's yeah. not going to let you go. Yeah. Not I want, yet. I want everybody to know that I am God, mm -hmm. and I'm going to use Pharaoh over here to do that. Right. Which is why. Because everyone at that point thought he was God. Yeah. Right. Because he's telling his people, "You, my people." leave mm -hmm. go away from pharaoh and then he's telling pharaoh hey pharaoh by the way don't let them go mm -hmm. you know he's restraining his people yeah and you know it's he's showing his power throughout all of it and then at the end you know he divides the red sea and his people walks through and then the egyptians get washed away right. i mean and and they knew about it in jericho right you know, yeah before they got there the word had spread mm -hmm. so um, These people are not to be messed with. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so then, you know, the, the, this is the question the anti-predestinationists say. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who has resisted his will? You know, if it's all been predestined, how can he send people to hell? Because, right. you know, who resisted what he predestined? But indeed, oh man, this has got the answer to that. Who are you to reply against God? Mm -hmm. Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me this way? Right. Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? That's an interesting illusion because we were Adam was formed from the dust of the earth and the clay. And he said, and so we're like pots, you know, God's the potter. He makes what the pot he wants, right? Some to honor. Some to dishonor, some porcelain, some, you know, uh, flower pots. Right, right. And, and it's up to him what he does with his own creation. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? So, yes, God compared some vessels for destruction. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Right. He wasn't waiting for the vessels of glory to do something good. He made them that what they were. And the vessels of wrath. Even us whom he called, not the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people and my her beloved who was not beloved, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called the sons of the living God. What then shall we say, skipping down to verse 30, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, as it were, but by, as, but by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone 
As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the chapter 9 does answer this question yeah. of predestination. It shows that God does what he wills. And then if we believe in God, and we know that God is good, then everything he does is good. He's good. Yeah. Uh, categorically yeah. and by definition. And we just have to accept that. And we don't have to know why or exactly. what. We don't have to defend God's goodness or his... And that's the deal that I keep hearing is everybody who's, you know, um, well, they'll hear that I'm a Calvinist. And they're like, oh, okay. Uh -huh. So you, you think that God is evil then, don't you? <laughs> you know? Really? Well, I mean, they don't I believe God is exactly, sovereign. Well, that's really, that's it really is. What they're saying, yeah. you know, they're like, people you know, confuse they, sovereignty they, with that. You know, they're like, you know, why would God do that? Because that's we all know that that's not good. And so, if God says that He is good, mm -hmm. you know, shouldn't so, He fix that? You know, that can't be the case, yeah. right? I'm like, yes, but <laughs> you know, who are you, oh man, to tell God who is good? He says how He is good, and He points us to what He does in the Bible and right. shows that this is good. Um, I was actually, uh, we did a, a study on C.S. Lewis mm -hmm. um, when I was in Texas at uh, the Hill House um, Bible study. And yeah, it was, an or it was a student organization. That's actually my favorite student mm -hmm. organization. Mm -hmm. I got the most out of it anyway. Right. And uh, we did a lot of talk about C.S. Lewis because he was one of the heroes of our, you know, the pastor. And one of the things that I learned about C.S. Lewis is that a lot of his, you know, before he became Christian, he was trying to rationalize all these different things about God. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, and there, there came a point where he was just like, I accept that God is who he says he is in this book. Mm -hmm. And he said that was one of the things that was the hardest for him to do was because he had his own idea of what God should be. Oh, yeah. And he said a lot of his, um, a lot of the things that C.S. Lewis had to come to terms with was the fact that I can't define how good God is. God defines that. And so mm -hmm. I have to be okay mm -hmm. with the way God, you know, what God says he is. Mm -hmm. And he said there's a lot of things, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis had a lot of things that he didn't like about God. It's like, right. you know, God... I don't remember any of the specifics, but he said there's a lot of things that he didn't like about God mm -hmm. and found those hard to come to terms with, but he just had this irresistible pull towards God mm -hmm. and eventually just came to terms with them. It's like, I have to believe this. I have to, you know, whatever God says about himself, you know, that's what I have to believe. Right. You know, and I can't, I can't put it into my own box. Right. I have to let God define who God is. So what God says is good. I have to agree that that's good exactly. and go along with that. And, you know, so often in the Bible, these people are like, God, you can't do this because, you know, that's not cool. And God's like, yeah, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to tell me, God, what to do? Yeah, that's, a, you that's know. what God told Job. Exactly. You know, where were you when I created the heavens mm -hmm. and the earth? And do you know where the treasures of the snow are? 
<laughs> this is kind of one of those. This is kind of one of those moments where it's like you and I were talking what two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was having my down moment, and you're like, "I don't question God." I'm like, oh, but, but, pretty sure Abraham did." And I hadn't got to Job yet because I brought out Abraham, and you just like flew with it. But I, uh, Job is another one that was like, uh, "God, we need to have this conversation." He's like, "Wait a minute, hold up." Who created you? Exactly. You know, I I don't think it's wrong to, you know, call upon God for, you know, that type of question, but be prepared for that type of answer. (laughs) You know, it's okay to be angry and be like, to, to get with God on that level, but don't do it expecting that you're going to be a hundred percent right because you're not, and you will be set straight. And, and it's true that God created all things, but at the same time, evil comes from man. It does. It's it's evil. sin nature, really. Yeah, it's the sin nature in man. It came from the choice of Adam and Eve, and that infected the whole race all the way down to us. And so that's why everyone was headed to hell, except in the mercy of God, he chose some to show his mercy. Right. He said if he, if he slaughtered everybody in hell, then it would only prove that he's a wrathful God, but he's mm-hmm. also merciful. Yeah. And so in his mercy, he predestined some to salvation who wouldn't have been able to make it themselves. Nobody can save themselves. That's why we need a savior. But it's clear from the Bible that God does all these things. In Isaiah 45, 5, it says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God but me. I will strengthen you, though you do not know me. Mm-hmm. So that all may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is no one but me. I am Yahweh and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make success and create disaster. Mm. God creates disaster. And okay. King James, it says, I'm, uh, I form the light and the darkness. Um, let me get the King James version here. I love the blue letter. Is that blue letter? Yeah. Yeah. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Mm. Another place in the Bible it says, is there trouble in the city and I have not done it? Mm. So God sets these things up, but man chooses them. Right. Your desires come out of your own evil heart. and You want to do these bad things and God lets you, you know. And... I think that, you know, when a lot of people ask, you know, who who created evil, you know, where does evil come, come from? Is If God is good, how could he create evil? Why would he do that? Right. And a simple answer is, you know, evil is an apartness or a separation from God. Mm-hmm. If God is good, then evil is everything that isn't God, mm-hmm. you know. And so when humans come around, when God creates, you know, people, the reason that we have a sin nature is because uh, of our separation from God. Mm -hmm. And like you said, in his mercy, he draws some of us closer to him, but it's God that's drawing us closer, but we can't because, you know, it's not in our power. If you're you're dead in trespasses and sins, you're dead. Right, right. So there's no life in you. No spiritual life in you. So there's not going to be anything in you that wants God. Right. 
that uh, that God has to create that in you. He's got to change your heart. And then you become able to exercise faith. Right. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you gin up on your own. Yeah. And so you exercise faith and you believe and and you're saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something that I actually uh, considered whenever I was talking to somebody who um, took issue with the idea of predestination and all that. And um, the basically they're like, well, we have free will, mm-hmm. right? Um, we have... We can, we can, we choose Christ. We choose God, and you know, God lets us in. And I was thinking, okay, so this is interesting because you say that we have free will. Have you ever prayed for somebody? You're like, well, yeah, of course. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. If you ever asked God to save somebody, you're like, yeah, of course I have. Mm-hmm. How is that them exercising their free will? You're literally asking God to intervene and to stop somebody's free will. Mm-hmm. You're asking God to turn them towards Christ. Mm-hmm. How is that them choosing Christ if you're asking God to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of thought that was a really good um, good question because it's like if I'm choosing God, mm-hmm. or if somebody believes that everybody chooses God, then why would we ask God to save somebody? Right. Because we're asking God to, to violate their free to will. violate their free will. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so that never made sense to me. And I was I was talking to somebody about this. I was like, oh, well, this is an interesting question. If if you pray that God intervenes and destroys their free will, how, how do they have free will then? They don't. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like, despite the fact that you don't like the idea that God chooses us and you know we don't choose God, it sounds like you're asking God to choose us. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so anyway, I thought that was a little bit of a double standard. Not a double, yeah, a double standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're in two different ways on the same subject. But yeah. So, I think the main topic for this podcast <laughs> was the Reformation, oh, really? and with uh, uh, Reformation Day being only a couple days in our past, right. uh, for this year anyway, um, we actually started with uh, talking about who uh, Martin Luther was, since he kind of started it by you know, hitting the door of the Wittenberg Church with a nail and mm-hmm. uh, nailing oh, the pieces. No! And so we wanted to talk about how the Reformation changed the church. What, how was it different from what it was during the time? What was reformed? And, um, you know, uh, some of the, some of the, uh, the big names in the Reformation. Right. Yeah. The, um, one of the main changes i think that martin luther affected in in this revolution that he started was uh, to re-emphasize the grace of god mm-hmm. um, so much had been there had been so much an accretion uh, over this over the centuries of 
of works righteousness, of, of doing things, you know, to earn your salvation. It became it became a works righteousness uh, that the, the church, you, you had to do penance, you had to do pilgrimages, you had to give money to the church, you had to do all these things in order to, to you know, gain God's favor and eventually make it to heaven. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I know Catholics will disagree and say, oh, no, that's a caricature. But, it, it you know, it's not. It, it, I, I've met modern-day Catholics that, that really believe that. And they, 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 there's a, a sweet, pre, uh, a, a precious woman. Uh, she was a Roman Catholic, and uh, she was in her 90s. She was a patient of mine. And she got talking about uh, dying and and she said that she was afraid to die, you know. Mm -hmm. And I asked her why. And she said, because I don't think I've done enough. Wow. At 90? At 96 years old, she hadn't done Nine. enough, you know. So she was really under the whip of this, of this works necessity that uh, really is ingrained in, in Catholics, I'm, right. I'm afraid. Yeah. And a lot of Catholics, at least some ones I've met. And so Luther, you know, he he brought up the the uh, Augustinian idea of uh, grace. Mm -hmm. It's by grace you're saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, the, work, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You know, this is clearly God's work. <clears throat> um, so that was that was one of the main changes in religion and in, in the Christian Church at that time was to re, uh, revive the doctrine of grace. Right. Um, and uh, you can see there, the, even let's, let's say that the people who object to what I just said are right and that it was an, a distortion of Catholic teaching. Mm -hmm. Well, it may have been, but you, it... it uh, you can see that people can, could realize how well they could exercise power over other people mm -hmm. by keeping them on this this uh, hamster wheel right. of works, you know, get get more work out of them. I mean, all these uh, indulgences built uh, the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, right? Yeah, and Tetzel running around uh, Germany selling indulgences. You could buy. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I I think. Uh, Martin Luther might actually call out um, the selling of indulgences towards the end of building St. Peter's Basilica in his 95 Theses. He does, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That was one of the sticking points. And he'd been to Rome and he'd seen the corruption in the church. And the, the, you know, it was just it was scandalous how the, the bishops and, and even the Pope was living with mistresses, and whatnot, you know. So I said, it's time that we get a purge, you know, we, we need to, to give this church an enema, you know, get right. rid of all this stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately for, for Martin Luther, it came at a very bad time in history yeah. for Europe and, and for the church because the Muslims were very actively trying to get into Europe and destroy Christianity. Right. And that was part of the resistance to Martin Luther's reforms is they, they said, 
this is not a good time for the church to be split over these things, right? Because we need to have a united front against these Muslims, yeah. or they're going to come in and kill us all. And that's an excellent, you know, an excellent theological point. You know, mm -hmm. hey, these changes that you're making are big and important, so you think. But yeah, we've got an entire, you know, anti-Christian, you know, crusade against us, you know. <clears throat> And yeah, I don't think I ever really thought about that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that uh, that that was sort of part of the uh, the 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 problem. That's one of the reasons I want to suppress Luther um, because he was creating division in the church, and they needed unity to to, to fight against the Muslims. Uh, but it was in the in the you know in the providence of God that these things came about. Sure. Um, and then you had uh, so much ferment in the 1500s, and in England you had uh, the uh, uh, Bloody Mary and her persecutions of the Protestants. Mm -hmm. and then Elizabeth comes along and she uh, reestablishes the Protestant Church. It kind of went back and forth. Mm -hmm. in, the, in Scotland you had uh, the the problems in there and Knox, you know, had, and mm -hmm. a lot of them had to flee to, to Vienna, like, yeah. like uh, Calvin did. Calvin, yeah. I mean, to Geneva, um, to uh, to flee persecution. <clears throat> because we're gonna hold on, we're gonna take a break right okay. here. All right, we are back with persecution. No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> It was a it was a, a very hard time for Protestants and Catholics because Protestants get in charge they kill Catholics Catholics get in charge they kill Protestants back and forth and part of it was just because the church and the state were kind of intertwined in in many ways and uh, and so and that's the reason a lot of the Huguenots left um, I guess. Uh, France. France, that's right. They left yeah. France uh, because the Catholics came in and were killing them off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, it was a purge. It was. I mean, it was like wholesale slaughter of, mm -hmm. of Protestants, and they they left by the skin. And it was that was so foolish of, of the French to even do that because the Protestants were really the Huguenots were kind of like the middle class. They were mm -hmm. one of the. the most countries you had the upper class and the peasants. Yeah. The Huguenots, because of their Protestant work ethic, mm -hmm. you know, were very became very skilled and very good businessmen. They did good work. Right. They got into um, goldsmithing and jewelry making and lace making yeah. and and they made a lot of things that the nobility liked to buy. Right. And they were artisans and did really good. And then when uh, the, they passed the Edict of Toleration, which allowed the Huguenots to worship, you know, freely, but then I forget which Louis came along and... and uh, <laughs> which Louis? <laughs> and said, oh, no, we're going to have that, you know, and, and started the, uh, what was it, the, was that the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? Uh, no, I mean, that was the... Uh, What's the name of that mass? Anyhow, they started just opens openly killing every Huguenot that they could find. Um, and they managed to flee France. They went to England. They went to 
Holland, they went to all over Europe, especially in places where the Protestants were, and they came to America. Well, that created a problem for France because now they're middle class who were Protestants, who believed that the powers that be are ordained of God and that you should, you know, obey the king or whoever's in charge. Mm -hmm. That group of people were now gone. Yeah, so they, they could have acted as a very good buffer between the uprising of the peasants in the French Revolution and the slaughter of the nobility. Yeah. The other thing that happened with the expulsion of the of the Huguenots was that all of these trades that made all this stuff that the nobility liked to buy were now in foreign countries. Yeah. And so the the nobility's money and gold started going to England and Holland and so America so that they could buy their gold and their yeah. lace and their things that they all their finery that they loved yeah. to buy. And that created an outflow of capital from France. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons France became they, they had to call the estates into assembly, which hadn't been done in years. Mm -hmm. They called the estates so that they could enact a tax in order to build up the state treasury because the money was going out of France. The working class <clears throat> left. Not coming in. And that, that series of things resulted in the French Revolution, you yeah. know, because the, things were so grindingly hard for the, for the peasants. Uh, you know, they had bread riots and had whatnot, finally. The Jacobins came along and, and, uh, and, and led the uh, terror. And the French, it became called the French disease and, and that kind of revolutionary spirit eventually became communism. That's mm -hmm. really where communism comes from. And uh, that became part of Lincoln's party in the United mm -hmm. States. And it's, just, it's amazing how that thing spread throughout all the world and every South and American yeah. country had its own, you know, peasant uprising, French yeah. revolution. And you know, it, uh, it changed the landscape a lot. Mm -hmm. And it all started with the expulsion of the Huguenots, the Huguenots I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was, um, I forget what his first name is, but Harrison, who uh, um, made the first practical timepiece time mm -hmm. um, and solved the, uh, the latitude problem, uh, or I guess the, lo the longitude problem mm -hmm. um, in Great Britain. I think he was a, a Huguenot. Mm -hmm. uh, and <clears throat> so it's like you're saying, their, their artisans, everybody who did really fine work, all their, you know, their working brains were pushed out of country, you know, and, um, you know, Harrison was, he wasn't actually a clockmaker. I think he was probably a jeweler. Yeah, he might have been a jeweler or something, but he eventually, he made a clock. He was always interested in time. And, uh, and then he started making working timepieces. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the British government gave a prize for. They were they were they had a prize and they gave some of it to him. There was a lot of issues that they had, um, just because uh, there's actually there's a series on it called Long Longitude. Mm -hmm. Did yeah, you watch it? That, it's yeah. a wonderful series, um, and it's. I think Harrison was a he was a. A pretty strong believer too. Um, at least that's what it shows in the 
the series on mm-hmm. Redditch's personal life. But uh, yeah, he eventually got the prize laid in life, mm-hmm. and it was only part of it. It wasn't the whole thing, but right. uh, he did solve the problem of having working, accurate, manageable timepiece. Mm-hmm. You know, John Harrison. John Harrison. He was a clockmaker. Right. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I believe I believe he was a Huguenot. Yeah, and it's interesting because time is actually an important thing for Christians. Carpenter and clockmaker, we should oh, say. Go. Carpenter, there it yeah. is. So they had to make the case for the clock. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, time, I think Christianity can be credited with the really the concept of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Herodotus is considered the father of history, but... Really, Moses wrote history before Herodotus did. Um, And that has to do with time, remembering things, writing down, recording things. Uh, Of course, God set the the sun, moon, stars, and the heavens, you Mm -hmm. know, for time and seasons and signs. And, you know, I remember a story about uh, one of the missionaries. I want to say it was um, the African missionary. And I don't know if it was um, Livingston or if it was, anyway, I don't remember who it was, but they, when he was leaving Africa, the, the Africans who had become Christians said, thank you for teaching us about time. Mm. Because in the African, a lot of the primitive African times, they really didn't have a concept of right. time yeah. like we do. And, uh, and, and so uh, when Christianity came along, it actually introduced the concept of time oh, to them. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's interesting about him and, and, and uh, making an accurate clock mm-hmm. because that's a very Christian theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And God's the only one that, you know, historically speaking, you know, he created time and so he kind of, Owns it. Owns it mm-hmm. and uh, broke it, too. Yeah. There's that, um, uh, when God moved the sun back, uh, what was it, three, four hours or something like that? Yeah, 12, 15 degrees on the sundial or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since the sun is really the, uh, oh, I guess I would say the, the universal timekeeper. timekeeper, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you start your day and end your day, and that's where you start your clock and end your clock you know it's all it's all um based off of the sun mm-hmm. the sundial is the most primitive clock mm-hmm. and that's all based on where the sun is and god's like yeah i'm god i'm gonna move that back a little bit mm-hmm. you know if you don't mind <laughs> <laughs> or even to stop the sun or even to stop the sun yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that they can fight during the day and not at night <laughs> not at night <laughs> uh, I believe I, I don't have anything to back this up but I want to say that there was a, a you know that's that's one of those deals where it's like okay if you look in you can look at the movement of the stars and the rotation of um, the universe and all that and uh, go back in time and see where the sun and uh, Earth and all these other planets and stars used to be. You know, you can. It, it's it's all clockwork, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of the issues that people have had with Christianity is like, you know, how does God move the sun back? How does He do that? You know, it just doesn't work. Well, he's um, God. Does, and, does it have to work by your standards? Right, right, right. 
But I want to say that somebody actually did some studying and found, you know, I don't even think that they were Christian. They weren't trying to make a point or anything, but they're like, you know, somehow there's like a couple of hours missing from, um, you know, the celestial, where the sun is or where it should be. You know, as far as time as we know it goes, it's like mm-hmm. there's a couple hours missing and we're not sure what happened there. <laughs> you know, and I remember hearing that. And again, I don't remember where it was or what it was or even if it's credible or not. But I remember thinking like, ah, God, you know, moved the sun back he said a he did bit, that. You know, <laughs> uh, so uh, that would that would make up for the lack of a couple of hours because uh, we're still, you know, I, God didn't say that he moved the sun back where it was supposed to be, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know. Uh, so. The first daylight savings. Time. I was just thinking that. I was thinking that. Like, how do I say that? Uh, and then you said, it. "Like, yep, that's it." That's how it starts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my goodness. We got some states that aren't even acknowledging it now, so that's really weird. I really would like daylight savings time to be abolished. I do too. It's so useless. You know, it's, it's dangerous too because they heart attacks increase when they change the well it messes time. with your circadian they rhythm did. yeah yeah it messes with your circadian rhythm it to does. have it that takes me a couple of weeks to get used to the new time yeah i've always i think it was some indian uh that said only only a white man can <laughs> cut the top off of his blanket stitch it to the bottom of his blanket and claim he's got a longer blanket <laughs> that's pretty good yeah, yeah. not wrong <laughs> So, anyway, um, as far as the Reformation goes, so uh, it really started with Martin Luther, and there's a lot of Reformation um, champions before Martin Luther. Yeah, pre-Reformation heroes. Wycliffe uh, was one of them. Yeah. Huss was another. And, um, and they're not really notable, I think. I mean, they're obviously notable, but they're not as... Recognizes Martin Luther because a they didn't nail something to the door. Nail of the something to the door of the church, and b there wasn't quite so much of a public outcry afterwards. Right, there was a lot of things that helped to Martin Luther was it was just a you know a synergy of things that that occurred. Right, you had Gutenberg's printing press yep. in the late 1400s, and that was the that was the the thing that made it possible for people to read, you know, what Martin Luther was talking about. Right. And so a lot of of his theses were reprinted Mm -hmm. and circulated throughout Europe and people started talking about it. And that's one of the things that uh, also separates Martin Luther is that in the church, one of the big changes that Martin Luther made after, um, you know, the 95 theses were written uh, was he translated the Latin Bible mm-hmm. into the language of the people, in his case, German. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Catholic Church at the time had basically said, you know, this, this stuff is too holy for anybody else to read, mm-hmm. you know, and so... Let us interpret it for you. Right, right. All the services were in Latin. It was, you know, God's language is mm-hmm. Latin. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's the holy the devil language. doesn't understand Latin. I guess not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Martin spent... I don't know how many years, I want to say it was like four, three or four uh, years translating the Bible into uh, German. Mm -hmm. And that was a feat. 
monumental. I mean, because we open the Bible and it's just like, oh, of course, all Bibles were written in English, right? Yeah, well, no, they were Greek and Hebrew. And then um, I'm not sure when it was translated into Latin, but Jerome translated it into Latin. I want to say in the 400s. 400s, yeah. And from there, the Catholic Church, well, the church at the time, which I guess became the Catholic Church, really regulated everything scripture-wise and Bible-wise. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not sure, why did they translate it into Latin? Why didn't they translate it into... The Latin was the, the English of its time. Oh, okay. The lingua franca yeah. you know, uh, throughout Europe. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, the, the Eastern Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, mm -hmm. Everything was in Greek, right? You know? So you had Greek or Latin. Oh, okay. You know? And uh, the Orthodox do have a point that, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. So. It was, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talk to Flavian, you know, yeah. the perfect language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he doesn't like Latin. I like Latin. I like Latin, yeah. Sorry. What have the Romans ever done for us? Yeah. <laughs> Peace. Barely. Peace. <laughs> oh, wow. Peace. Oh, peace. <laughs> Only after they destroyed it. Sewers. Sanitation. Uh, sponges. That's right. Aqueducts. He doesn't know how to use the shells. <laughs> I think about Rome every time I think about that scene. Oh, really? Yeah, like with the sponges. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, he doesn't know how to use the shells. Yeah. Devilish man. But uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, Martin Luther translated it into German, and it had Latin. a profound effect on the German language too. Yeah, because that kind of it kind of you know regularized German. You know, there were a lot of different dialects and yeah. everything. But once the, the Bible was in German, people started reading. There's a that. standard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It became a That's been true in every country you yeah. know that the bible has been translated into the, that country's language and it has a profound effect on mm -hmm. that language ever after that right that's one of the things i like about the weekly bible translators you know they oh, make yeah. it available in people's languages and, and then that's going to have an effect over the years of, of uh, standardizing the language and making people easier to talk to one another because they understand yeah. each other because they have a common they have a common book. Right. That's the most important book. It's their standard. Uh, John Knight, is he working with Wycliffe? He is, yeah. yeah. He's still with Wycliffe. And, uh, they're trying to get into Thailand. I mm -hmm. think raising raising support for you know, yeah. their mission over there. Uh, and they're, they're getting closer to their goal. Yeah. You know, so they, they yeah. should be. They, they hope to be there in December or, or soon after that. Yeah. They Our, really. Our friends uh, uh, John and Phyllis Knight, they, uh, uh, for years they've been uh, Chinese missionaries, missionaries to, to China. And um, recently, whenever, whenever COVID, you know, started, they had to come home to the U.S. And then it's just been, you know, an impossible feat to get back to China since then. Uh, and there's also a lot of political and COVID and, yeah. Uh, vaccine, all sorts of different issues that are keeping them from going to China. And so uh, I guess they're going to the next best thing, Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll be able to communicate, I think, with people in China from right. Thailand and kind of 
liaison with them. But it's just uh, the Chinese government, the Communist Party in China, has made it increasingly hard for Westerners to be yeah. in China. They, they don't want Westerners in China, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Xi, uh, Xi, Xi. Uh, he, I think he features himself as the reincarnation of Mao. You know? mm-hmm. so he, yeah. he and the other old Chinese communists, they're still in their Politburo, what do they call it? Yeah. Or, uh, uh, trying to, to recreate the glory days of Mao, I think, you know. I wonder if that's going to include... Uh, that's depressing. Yeah, I know. I wonder if that's going to include the you know, Great Leap Forward purges and massacres of millions of Chinese. I oh, yeah. That's, that, you know? hmm. But, you know, for communists, and the, the, the utopia is always over the next pile of bodies. It is, yeah. It's just the way that it's always been. Hmm. One of the reasons I'm against communism. Well, it only matters if you're, you know, one of those in the pile of bodies. Yeah. So, so pray for the church in China. It's a, the word is that it's continuing to grow with persecutions, and uh, which typically happens. Um, so we count it all joy when we fall into diverse trials and temptations. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so. From Martin Luther, where did the Reformation go? Well, it uh, it spread through Europe. Uh, you had several other reformers, Zwingli and Melanchthon and uh, and others, and uh, Knox, of course, brought it to mm-hmm. Scotland. And England had its own church in, after Henry VIII uh, dissolved the connection with Rome and set up the and restored in, in, in his way of thinking the original uh, Church of England. Mm-hmm. That and, was a venture. And the England, the you know the, the the Christian religion had been in in uh, England forever. Yeah, and from early days, they they sent bishops to the Council of Nicaea in the three hundreds. Wow. You know. So there was an active English church. And so that's basically where they're saying, well, okay, we're not going to go by the Pope anymore. We're just going to have our own church here. Again, I guess the Church of England. And so that was a, a Protestant church, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. it was broke, broken away from Rome. And uh, just uh, eventually spread throughout. The Protestantism spread throughout most of Europe. Southern Europe, not so much. Spain, France, Portugal, Italy, the uh, Mediterranean Mm -hmm. European countries, they they pretty much stayed Catholic. Southern part of of Germany, Bavaria, that was Mm -hmm. still Catholic. Austria, mostly Catholic, Roman Catholic. So, yeah, they, uh, but above that, you know, they, uh, and then, of course, the, Protestant version of Christianity spread to the United States mm-hmm. with the Anglican Church and, and the Puritans. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so the next the next leap after I guess the Reformation was John Calvin, who we talked about before, and he really kind of solidified mm-hmm. um, I guess the main uh well, he solidified Calvinism, uh, 
But I guess of what a large body of the Protestant church since then has believed, a lot of it stems or ties to or from John Calvin. Mm -hmm. And he believed a lot of things different from Martin Luther. Uh, but he kind of, he kind of, started where Martin Luther left off, really, didn't he? Yeah, Martin, the, the Lutheran Church was, in, in large part, a Reformed Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, the, they still retain so much of, of the Catholic rites and rituals and, and things like that. And, and uh, Calvin wanted to do away with all that. He, mm -hmm. he, he wanted to purify the church and, uh, and get rid of uh, vestments and you know, ceremonies and things like that, and you thought were just uh, useless. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't in the Bible. So, so they, they his rule was basically uh, only what's in the Bible. And that's mm -hmm. what's supposed to be yeah. Christianity. So uh, yeah. scriptura. Uh huh. And uh, so. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that position, but mm -hmm. uh, I have to say that uh, I think that it, it can go too far in the Way other direction, far, yeah. you know, because when you go to Europe and you see the, the, the beauty that uh, Christianity produced in the cathedrals and the stained glass and all the, just the gorgeous you know, churches that they have there. And then you, you know, look at some some kind of Protestant churches that are just four bare walls, you know, and, right. and yeah. a Bible and a hymn book. You know, I mean, can't we have a little beauty, you know, right, in right. worship? And really, I mean, uh, when you walk into a cathedral, the first word that comes to mind is majesty, mm -hmm. you know. And I that's mean, their, that's what they're designed to produce. Yeah. A sense of awe and majesty. And that transcendence that I was talking exactly. about that I found yeah. in the in the Greek Orthodox Church, a mm -hmm. sense of, of the transcendent worship. Uh, that, that you were missing elsewhere. Yeah, that I was not getting in a lot of these other churches. Protestant churches you know, so. I think there's a middle path there. You know? There is. Yeah. There, there's, there, there, we don't have to, you know, strip everything down to four bare walls in a handbook, you know. Uh, and then also we don't have to have a pope being carried around on his own. Right. right. Somewhere in the middle is, is, yeah. is the right path, I think. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, the Old Testament, I mean, Exodus, that's where all of the, you know, that's where all of the, 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 vo the, the robes, the vestments, the, the hat, the crook, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, all the different things that um, the priests yeah, wear. That's where it all started. They, they took, took their cue from all that and they said, okay, well, you know, priests have special right. uniforms and so the priests should have special uniforms. And they use incense, you know, mm -hmm. so it's all, they're going to be, there's incense in the Old Testament, there's incense in Revelation, so right. have the incense, <laughs> you know, the incense yeah. between those two yeah. books, you know, so. And then the, the majesty of the, the cathedrals and stuff, you know, I mean, look at the, the temple that they built. I mean, exactly. there's only, what, six chapters that are spent on, you know, yeah. uh, all the detail of building the temple. And, you know, I mean, we upgrade the, 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 
the Roman Catholics for bowing in front of graven images. Uh-huh. I think rightly so in, in many instances, but they rightly also point out, well, you know, there were statues in the temple of God, the cherubim, were, yeah. and they were carved on all the walls yeah. and lots of statues and images, yeah. you know. God commanded and, those to be there. Yeah, exactly. And they were gilded. and mm-hmm. you know, so. Kind of like the ones on the ark, too. The place was gorgeous. Yeah. And, you know, you're saying that you can't have any kind of statues in the church. Well, yeah. what's that? You know? And, you know, the first time that I was ever in a, uh, I guess it was an Episcopal church, mm-hmm. uh, what did they, what do they call the bells? The, the you know. It, that they ring? Yeah, yeah. Communion? Yeah. yeah. I forget what they call it. I forget what they call it. But the jingle bells. The jingle bells or, or the jingling johnnies or whatever. But, mm-hmm. man, whenever I first heard that, you know, ching, 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 ching. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what in the world was that? Yeah, you know? Know. And then you read through Exodus, you know, and the high mm-hmm. priest, you know, before he goes into the holiest of holies, mm-hmm. God says, and on your and on your vestments, you'll have shirt, yeah. you will have these golden bells and a pomegranate, and golden bell and a pomegranate. And mm-hmm. if those bells are not jingling, then you know my wrath will be upon you. Yeah, yeah. You know. And so I was thinking, you know, where does this jingling bell come from in the service? And then I read this, and I'm like, oh, that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. put it there. All right. You know, it was actually mom. I remember. Uh, I, we had just finished reading through Exodus, and um, it was about a, a week or two later. Uh, we were just talking about uh, going to a, a different church in Presbyterian, mm-hmm. something like that. And, uh, mom's generally uncomfortable when she goes into a, a different type oh, church. I know you. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Look of the ultimate fear. I don't, know if, I don't know if Tom is the same way, but I know Mom it's like, definitely is. Like, what is that? And you know, slight flaring of the nose. Yes, yes, yes. Pure exactly. fear and horror. It's like, and, uh, she, where am she I? Asked a very simple question. She's like, I was talking about, you know, the 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 robes, the hat, and the bells, and all that, the incense. And mom's like, yeah, where is that in the Bible? I was like, Exodus, mom, Exodus. And she's like, oh, really? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Actually, I yeah. actually opened it. Was showing her. She's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> like, hmm. All right. It comes from somewhere. That's right. You know? It's not just made up on a whim. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, that was our uh, uh, our Reformation talk. And uh, we hope you all had a, a wonderful Reformation day. Um, which, you know, when we were little, we always celebrated Halloween and stuff. You know, pumpkins just go get a bunch of tons of I candy. just like it for the dad tax now. Right, right, the dad tax. Like, <laughs> I, I I did that. We brought the candy in today, and I was like, oh, I haven't done the dad tax. I took two little yeah, pieces out of right. each one. That's I was like, what government's for. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> Let's talk about taxes It's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I told Alyssa, I was like, you better take these off the table or I'm going to start acting like the reserve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because I might take more than necessary if you leave it here. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I enjoy you know carving pumpkins and stuff. It's all it's all fun and games. It is really when you get older, it just turns into a costume party. Right. You know. I know. Um, Alyssa was like, "I've never been allowed to dress up. Can I? Can I? Can I get something to dress up?" And I'm like, "I don't care. (laughs) If you want to do it, do it. I'm literally putting on a cowboy hat, boots, and I'm walking with you." Yeah. With yeah, a gun. Yeah. And so all the Halloween stuff, you know, uh, it's all fluff. I don't really care about it at all. But, yeah. You know. Uh... 
All right, we All are right. back. You cut us off at candy. There was a little break there, and uh, anyway. Did so, you do that on purpose? No, not on purpose. You're not breaking the candy? Oh, yeah, well, I was breaking the candy. That's why I don't keep it around. I, I know. <laughs> That's what I told Liz. I was like, you got to take the candy. Like, just do something with it, because every time I walk past the table, I, I, mm, yeah. things might happen. So, It'll slowly disappear. Anyway, well, Uncle Neil, we won't keep you any any longer. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We have to do it again. And, yeah. This uh, is always love your your wonderful insight. You have uh, cultivated your insight over a long period of time. And, um, uh, we got a tidbit of that today. Yes, yes just a just, just, a, just a, a fraction. That's right. Uh, so anyway, well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you all next time. What are we talking about on uh, Tuesday? We'll probably do a snippet snappet of a little more of Martin Luther and his theses. Okay. And uh, then we'll move on to one of the next topics we've kind of right. touched on. We've, so. we've got a huge list of things so that we we'll definitely will see you all on Tuesday, and adios. adios.